You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. The series is God's Work, Our Walk. Um, as I said last week, it's a series in the, stu- it's a study in the book of Ephesians. It's going to be a six-week series. Hopefully, all of you have been reading Ephesians at home every day on your own. Uh, you've been reading at least a chapter a day, and hopefully you've been utilizing this um, devotional guide that our Grace Covenant staff has uh, made available, um, has actually per- uh, created and made available to help you dig deeper into Ephesians. If you didn't get one, if maybe you weren't here last weekend, you didn't get one, you can stop at the uh, uh, guest central after service and pick one up, and then you can keep going deeper this week. Um, last weekend, as we began to look at Ephesians, uh, we focused on two vitally important spiritual truths. And the first of those truths was this. Uh, we took some time to focus on Ephesians chapter 1 really emphasizes um, who we are in Christ, our, our identity. And um, as, we, as we focused on our identity in Christ from Ephesians chapter 1, what we recognized, what we come, came to learn is that um, positionally, God has placed us in Christ before creation. Because we have been positionally placed in Christ, positionally, our position actually dictates our identity. So because we're in Christ uh, by God before creation, that can only mean that our identity is in Christ. And so we must live our lives out as Christ followers who recognize that we are in Christ. That's our identity. And it dictates everything that we do. The second truth that we looked at last weekend was, um, uh, it was the truth that concerns what we have. In other words, what God has given us. <clears throat> As we looked at Ephesians 1 chapter, uh, uh, verse, chapter 1 verse 3, we read, uh, We have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. In other words, before the creation of the world, God chose to bless us with everything that we would need for life and godliness. And because this is true, it means that you and I are very spiritually wealthy people. We are spiritually rich. Um, it means that we have everything that we need for this life. It means that we live out our life as heirs of God the Father and join heirs with His Son, Jesus Christ. Because of these truths, by faith, we don't have to live as spiritual misers. And by faith, we don't have to live as victims of spiritual identity theft. Instead, because we're in Christ, we live our lives according to our identity. And we live our lives according to what we've been given through Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we can live our lives. When we choose to live our lives this way, our perspective on life changes. Trust me, when we live our lives as being in Christ, recognizing that we are in Christ, everything about life takes on a different perspective because it takes on a right spiritual perspective. It takes on the filter of living life through our identity in Christ and the inheritance that we've been given. And this can only happen through our faith. The perspective faith change is a, is a matter of our faith. You see, we are complete in Christ positionally. We affirmed that last weekend and we affirm it again this weekend. We are complete in Christ positionally, but practically until we learn to uh, take hold of by faith everything that God's provided us, we'll never fully enjoy it. 
We will never fully enjoy the grace and the provision that God has, take, uh, has provided for us until we take hold of it by faith. You see, it's very possible to, to know about God and, and not really know him. And it's possible to have a head knowledge of God, but that head knowledge never dropped down in our hearts, so we never really fully experience him. You see, um, our relationship with God needs to be ever deepening. It needs to be ever expanding. And this happens as we know more about him and as we experience his work in our lives. I talked to you a little bit about this last week. I want to just talk a little bit more about it this week. It's, it's our, we're all on a, a personal spiritual journey. It's our own personal discipleship journey. Remember last week I gave you an explanation of, uh, of our discipleship, of our growth plan. And, and to me it's the best explanation that I, I've ever heard uh, of, of discipleship. And it's this. The goal of discipleship is to take every area of life and bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ so that the wound of sin can be healed and we can walk in the newness of life that we have in Christ. I'm going to say that again. The goal of our growth, the goal of our discipleship is to bring every area of our life under the lordship, under the rulership, under the leadership of Jesus Christ to submit it to him, every area. And we do that so that the wound of sin can be healed and that we can walk in, we can live in the newness of life that comes only through Jesus Christ. So if, you're, if you wake up tomorrow and you think, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. I have your answer for you. If you wake up tomorrow and you answer, you ask that question, then here's the answer. Your answer is this. Today, I'm supposed to bring every area of my life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that the wound of sin in my life can be healed and I can experience the newness of life that has been provided for me through Christ. That, that's your goal. That's your goal for today. So this morning we continue on looking at Ephesians. And as we read uh, on in Paul's letter to the Ephesians and to us, what we see is the heart of a father. And not just a father, but a spiritual father. And as a spiritual father, Paul prays two very significant prayers on behalf of the Ephesians and on behalf of us as believers. And as he prays, um, what we see is he doesn't pray that, uh, uh, that we would know more, that we would have more. He doesn't pray that. Instead, he prays that we would uh, come into a greater understanding of who God is. So again, he doesn't pray that we have more. Why, why would he pray that? Because he's already said that in, in Ephesians 1 through that we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. We already have it. So he doesn't pray that we would have more. But throughout his prayer is that we would come into a greater understanding of who God is. Why? Because the more we know about God, the more our life changes. The more we take in who God is and we let that drop into our heart, the more it works itself from the inside to the outside and we have a life change. And so it's with this in mind this morning that we look at these two prayers that Paul has prayed for the Ephesians and for us. One is in chapter 1, one is in chapter 3. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <coughs> I actually um, read this prayer beginning in verse 15. To you as I close the message last week. We're going to read it again together today. Or I'm going to read and you're going to follow along. And uh, then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So Ephesians 1 chapter 15. 
The other prayer that we're going to turn to in just a few minutes is in Ephesians chapter 3. But let me begin in, in, in chapter, verse 15. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, inglorious, of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So immediately when we begin to look at, uh, at verse 15 in, in chapter 1, what we see is Paul begins to transition into this prayer that he's praying for us as believers. And as he transitions, he says this, for this reason. Well, when I read that, I thought, well, for what reason? What reason, what is, what is Paul actually talking about? For what reason? For this reason points us back, it directs us back to everything that Paul has written in verses 1 through 14, specifically in verses 3 through 14. He directs us back and it's like Paul is saying, for this reason or because your identity is in Christ and because you've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And because of your great inheritance, and now because of the way that you live your life out, it's obvious that what's going on inside of you, the truths that you've learned, the spiritual truths are working on the inside of you, and it's working themselves outside of you in your behavior. And then he says in verse 16, it's because of that, I'm thanking God for you, and I'm cheering you on. He, we see the heart of the spiritual father here. He, he's saying, I'm so proud of you. I'm encouraging you in your faith. You're living it out. It's not just head knowledge, but you've learned how to live this out in your life. And because of that, I'm cheering you on. I'm a proud spiritual papa. And I'm so thankful for what's going on in you. And not only am I thankful, and not only am I cheering you on, but I'm praying for you. And I, I want to just take a moment and I've done this in the other services and I want to do it here again today because I think it's, it represents our heart so much. You know, uh, Cammie and I have been here at, at the campus for about 16 months now. Time's going by really fast. Um, and I, I just want everybody to know, I don't consider this as a job. But instead I consider this as a divine appointment. That God brought us here uh, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a teacher, but I also feel like a spiritual father. And I know some of you are older than me. That's okay. I, I feel like a spiritual parent. Um, because when I read what Paul is writing, how he, he's cheering them on, and he's saying, it's exactly when I see you taking spiritual truths that you're learning from the word, and you begin to apply them to your life, it's like, yes, that is so great. I am so proud of you. I'm thankful for you, and I'm cheering you on, and I'm praying for you. And we do. 
we pray for you on an ongoing basis. And the, Paul, the prayer that Paul prays is really the same kind of prayer that we pray for you. Um, in verses 17 and 18, it's what I would consider Paul's big reveal because he has said, I'm thanking God for you and I'm, I'm cheering you on and I'm praying for you. But then he says, and here's what I'm praying and in verses 17 and 18, we find that Paul actually prays three very specific, he makes three specific requests on behalf of the Ephesians and on behalf of us. And as he begins, he prays and he says, the first one is, um, I pray that God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. A spirit of wisdom and revelation. He didn't just say, I pray that God gives you wisdom. And I got, pray God gives you revelation. But he said, I pray that God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. What is it that Paul's praying? What does it mean to pray that anyone would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation? Well, Paul's prayer is that, again, you're going to hear a lot about the Holy Spirit in this message. Paul's prayer is, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would work in you in such a way that the knowledge that you have uh, that, that, that it would drop from your head to your heart. That's what wisdom is all about. He's praying that we would have spiritual wisdom where, where we're not just learning facts. We're not just learning Bible trivia. But that as we're reading and as we're learning and we're taking knowledge into our head, that there would be a spirit of wisdom that the, that the knowledge would drop down into our hearts so that we can live it out in our lives. And that's really what wisdom is. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is when knowledge drops down from the head into the heart and is applied to life situations. And that's exactly what Paul is praying. I'm praying that what you're hearing and what you're learning would drop down into your heart and you would apply it into every circumstance, every situation of your life. Wisdom is the know-how to apply spiritual truths to everyday living. Let me say that again. Wisdom is the know-how to apply spiritual truths to everyday living. Wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and to follow the right course of action based on spiritual knowledge and spiritual understanding. That's why our personal journey, our personal spiritual journey, our discipleship journey is so important. Because if, if you're going to apply it, you've got to know what you're going to apply, right? And so we have to continually be in that vein. But he goes on and he says, I pray that you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Well, what's a spirit of revelation? How is it different than wisdom? Well, wisdom, again, is when we take knowledge and we apply it. So we take spiritual truths and we apply it. Revelation has to do, as Paul talks here, revelation has to do more about something that's been hidden and suddenly it's revealed. Something that's been covered up and suddenly it's uncovered. The lid has been removed. Something that was a mystery is no longer a mystery. Have you ever had those situations where there's a, a passage or a section of scripture and you read it and you go, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And then maybe a few days later you read it. I don't get it. I just really don't understand it. Maybe you read it a month later, a year later, and you say, I just don't understand it. And then there's that moment. 
Maybe you're because you call out, you say, word of God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, teach me. Or maybe there's just that moment that as you're reading, something happens. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actually opens your spiritual eyes. And you look at that passage of scripture this time. And you go, I get it. It's clear. It's plain. And the only way that that can happen is through the work of the Holy Spirit. You'll never figure it out on your own. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what revelation is. So he says, I pray that you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then the second request that Paul makes is found in verse 18. (coughs) He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened. And uh, what we see here is Paul, uh, uh, he's praying that the heart of the believer would be flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit in such a way that we have clear understanding of who God is. We have clear understanding of who we are in Christ. We have such clear understanding. There's been such a flood of light by the Holy Spirit (coughs) that we're able to take that and apply it to our lives because there's so much revelation. There's so much light by the Spirit that we could see and understand clearly what God has provided before us now and and in the future. Paul, up to this point, his prayer has been that as believers, we would have a deeper understanding of who God is. That's what these two prayers are all about. That we would have a deeper understanding of who, who God is. And here's why. Our understanding of who God is determines our response to God and our relationship with him. To say that again. Our understanding of God determines our response to God and our relationship with him. The amount of trust that we have in God depends on how much we know about God. And how much we know about God, the amount uh, that we know about God, uh, it, depend, it, 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 it dictates how we view God. And let me take that a step further. How we view ourselves is dependent on how we view God and what we know about God. The more we know about God, the more the perspective of ourselves changes because we recognize that we are in Christ. The perspective changes. Um, The final request that Paul makes, the specific request that Paul makes, is found in uh, verse 19 of chapter 1. And he prays that the believers would be strengthened by and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. I told you you're going to hear a lot about the Holy Spirit in this message because that's Paul's uh, emphasis. Uh, He says, I pray that you would be strengthened by and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul's heart as a spiritual father is, I want you to know the tremendous power that has already been made available to you because that power surpasses any power that you will ever encounter, that you will ever read about, that you'll ever know, that you'll ever experience. On Friday night, Cammie and I went to see the movie, uh, just came out, Current Wars. It's the story of Edison and uh, Westinghouse and their race for the, 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 uh, the power grids. And it was a great movie. But I tell you, Edison and Westinghouse and Tesla have nothing on the Holy Spirit. Because the power that we have in the Holy Spirit is greater than anything that we can even begin to imagine. 
Anything that man can conjure up will never match the power that we have of the Holy Spirit. The key to understanding uh, what Paul is praying for here is that he didn't ask God to give believers power. But he asked that believers would be able to understand and utilize the power that we've already been given by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, and that power is the same power that God exerted in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Think about that. Jesus was dead and God exerted his power and raised him up and he overcame death. And now he's saying that same power is resident in you. So you know what that means? You and I have resurrection power of God in our lives. That's how miracles happen. That's how, that's how we walk. We walk. We live in this power. And Paul carries on his desire for the believer to know this power. Even into the prayer in chapter 3. So would you just turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, look at verse 14. I'm going to read to, beginning in verse 14 to the end of the chapter. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I want to just focus on verse 16 for a moment. In verse 16, Paul's prayer simply put is, I pray that you would be strengthened in the deepest, most inner part of your being, deep in your heart. I pray that you would be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in such a way that Christ felt comfortable, that Christ felt uh, at home in your heart. That he could take full residence there. Another way to put it is, I pray that there would be such a work of the Holy Spirit in the deepest part of you, that as the Holy Spirit is working inside of you and changing you and transforming you, that what's on the inside of you would begin to work its way to the outside. And once again, it would be obvious that it's happened because of your behavior, that your behavior becomes different than it was in the past because there's a work of the Holy Spirit. You know, what's, what's interesting, reflecting back in this letter that Paul wrote, again, remember, he, he, um, he visited them, and when he came back, he sent a letter. Um, it didn't work. He heard that they were not behaving, so he sent the second letter, which is actually 1 Corinthians, um, and it still didn't work. We actually know from 2 Corinthians that Paul actually uh, made a visit, another visit, a second visit. It's not recorded in Acts. But he, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the time he came back to them again because they just weren't getting it. 
He'd had a personal visit, two different letters. He'd sent different people, and they just were really struggling. So he went out, and it says that he had a painful meeting, is how he described it, a painful visit. And uh, so it was a come-to-Jesus meeting, I guess, where he just said, and laid it on the line. And we know from 2 Corinthians and the content that we've seen there that they finally began to get it because the tone is very different. They finally discovered that the significance in life comes from serving one another, not from being selfish and wanting things your own way. Serving one another is the key. <clears throat> May that always be true for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Let's pray. Father, this morning we've had a chance to, um, again, just to, to sing and lift our voices and worship. We've had a chance to give. We've had a chance to talk and share and, and laugh at some goofy videos. And uh, Father, again, all of it is because of our love and, and our passion for you and our desire to live out our faith. And Father, even though our faith is incredibly personal, it was never meant to be individualistic. It was always intended to be lived in relationship with other Christ followers. So God, thank you for the people of Grace Covenant Statesville. Father, thank you for what you're building and developing here and that you've called us to be a part of it. And uh, Lord, our desire is to honor you in all that we say and do. <clears throat> Father, if there's anyone here who is feeling a little left out, I pray, God, that an extra dose of grace would be on them this morning. Father, that uh, maybe there's feelings that have been hurt or maybe things didn't set quite right. Father, I pray that you would heal that in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, maybe there's, as we're just sitting here reflecting, maybe, Father, someone comes to mind that maybe we weren't as gracious as we could have been and maybe we need to go back to them and ask for forgiveness and make sure that that relationship is right. Uh, Father, I pray that you would protect this congregation from those seeds of anger, from those seeds of strife and division, that they would not take root and they, they would die quickly. Father, that your Holy Spirit would protect us as a congregation. So Father, we thank you again for this day. And Lord, as we leave this place, I ask, Father, that you would uh, continue to go before us and prepare the way. Father, that you give your people favor with uh, the tasks they put their hands to, with the relationships and the people they meet. Father, that each would be blessed this day, I pray. It is in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Amen. Rooted in the love of God. Paul's prayer isn't just about knowing how great God's love is, but it's about laying hold of that love by faith. This love, it's great. And it surpasses <coughs> our ability to humanly understand it, and it can only be embraced by work of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, Paul's prayer is that we would live in and live out the fullness of God. That we would live in and we would live out the fullness of God. His prayer could be summarized like this. I pray that you are completely filled with God. So let me ask a question with an illustration. How full of God are you? Does your life look like this? Maybe like this? Maybe it's like this. Or like this. Or is it like...
That's what he's asking for, that we would be completely full of God. How full are you of God? How full is your heart of God? Let me ask it another way. Who holds the keys to your heart? Are there any keys? Are there any keys that you're holding on to? Have you given him some of the keys, but not all the keys? Lordship is great. Sometimes it's hard to move into that. Sometimes we don't want to let go of something. But when we can bring every area of our lives under the Lordship, under the leadership of Jesus Christ, when we can uh, allow Him to heal the wound of sin in us and allow us, help us walk in the newness of life that comes from Christ, life is so much better. It's the only way to live life. So I'm hoping you're reflecting right now. Are there any rooms that you're holding out? Are you holding on to the key? And if so, what are you going to do about it? And I want to say, you could do something today. You could offer it to him. You could say, this is the key that I've been holding on to. And today, I want to bring that area under your lordship. And so I give it to you. I'm going to release it. It's scary, but I'm going to release it to you. Take it so that the wound of sin can be healed in my life. And I think for all of us, there's something that we like to hold on to. Maybe big, maybe small. Something secret. But we, we feel better if we're in control of it. And today the Holy Spirit would say, would you give that up? And I want us to do that together. I'm going to ask you to stand. And there's a prayer that I want us to pray together. It's going to be on the screens. And it's actually a culmination of these two prayers that Paul has prayed in chapter 1 and in chapter 3. And as we pray it today, I would ask that you would let this be a true prayer of your heart, not just something we're doing together, but you would cry this out to God and that you would expect, that you would anticipate that there's a change that's happening in you right now. Would you pray this with me? Let's pray it together. Glorious Father, I come to you today with freedom and confidence. I trust the work you are doing in my life and I thank you for all your goodness to me. God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I ask again that you would give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may truly know you better. May the eyes of my heart be opened so I intimately understand the hope you have called me to, the glorious inheritance you have provided for me, and the incomparable power you have given me as your child. I thank you that the same mighty strength and power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and working in me until all your life fills all my life in every way. Strengthen me with the power of your Holy Spirit so that Christ would live within me today in a greater way than I have ever known. Root me and establish me in the power of your love. Help me live out the extravagant expanse, the great length, width, height, and depth of the love of Christ. I am open and receive your full measure today. Help me live out your expansive love in my relationship with others. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all I ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within me, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever.
Amen. Father God, hear our heart today. Hear our prayer. As we look to Paul's prayer, Paul's prayer is that we would have a greater understanding of who you are and that we would be filled with you, that we would experience the fullness of God in our lives. Father, I ask today for all of us that you help us to surrender the keys that we like to hold on to and that we would submit those secret areas to you so that you can live, richly dwell, take residence in our heart and feel welcomed in every area. Father God, I pray that there would be a work of your spirit in us, that we would know the power that is in us and there would be such a work of your spirit working inside of us that truly it would be so great that it would begin to overflow and work itself to the outside and it would be obvious that it's happening because of the way we live our lives and the changes that we make that our perspective becomes a perspective that our life is hidden away with Christ in God. Oh God, I pray that you work this out in us today. May this be a marked time when we leave that we are different than when we came because we've had an encounter with you. We've had a wisdom and revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation where it's all dropped down from the head into the heart and we walk out and we begin to live it in our lives. Father God, I pray this for all of us today. We offer ourselves to you and we say we want you to be Lord of our lives. Heal the wound of sin in us. Father God, we submit ourselves to you right now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.